it seems to me that the Lord sometimes, I won't say this is always true, sometimes he allows people to continue on in sin for his glory. That's startling, isn't it? So that there will be greater glory brought to him afterwards. That's what I mean. Now, I'm the youngest of our family. Four boys, no girls. I did all the girls' work because I was the youngest. I used to wash the floors, do the dishes, and so on. Made me a good husband later on. But anyway, <clears throat> my oldest brother was the first one saved. I think he was about 17. Bob was saved when he was about 17, when he got up there. But Don was the first one saved. He was the oldest. Bill was saved when he was about 22. I was not saved until I was 32. So I was the black sheep of the family in more ways than one. But I look back now, well, many times I've said, uh, oh, if I could only live my life over knowing what I do now. But you can't do that. You can't buy back that time, but you can live the time you have from now on for him. That's the important thing. And uh, the Lord has been pleased, for me at least, to give me much blessing since the age of 32 to now. I will be 60 on my next birthday. For 28 years I have been a Christian. Now, I remember very clearly when I was saved, saying to the Lord, I lived for the devil 32 years. I never had a chance to praise your name. I'd be happy if they got 32 years to do that. Someone said to me one time, Brother, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, and I took me aside. And he said, I think a lot of your praising the Lord has put on. You're always doing it, he said. And sometimes I can't stand it. I said, Dear Brother, listen. I spent 32 years in the service of the devil. I have 32 years to serve the Lord. I told him I would praise him. Don't stop me. I will praise him. Uh, back here when I was 32, we were married, had four children. I'll make this as brief as I can. Sometimes it's not easy to tell this story. Sometimes it is very hard. And because we're bringing up some old things that are gone. And I am so glad. But I was in a position where, as a lost sinner, my mother became convinced that I ought to be saved. Now, she knew this for a long time. She'd been praying a long time, and my brothers had been praying. But she called my brother Bill one day, and she said, Now, brother, or son, she said, You start praying for your brother, and get as many people as you can to pray for his salvation. I feel, she said, this is a very crucial time. He must be saved now. And she said to him, Now you pray as I pray. Lord, this is her son. 
she's praying for. Lord, you save him or you take him, but don't leave him in his sins. Did my mother love me? She loved the Lord Jesus better, and I thank God for that. She said, all he is doing is bringing shame upon the name of Christ. And that was right. So that was the prayer offered up by my mother and my brother. Years later, Brother Kurt, I was really blessed in my heart. I was out preaching in Manitoba. I can't remember the place. doesn't matter. But anyway, after the service was over, a man came up the aisle, and he was fairly running. He had a great big smile on his face, and he jumped up in the platform. Oh, my, we're glad to meet you. He said, praise the Lord. He said, I remember when your brother phoned us and asked us to pray for you and your salvation. And this was years later I was preaching in this church. And I didn't know anything about that. And I said, well, praise God, I am so glad I have been able to come and share God's word with you. Um, 32 years of age. It was in December. I was down in Morton, Pennsylvania on a Piasecki helicopter course. And uh, I was there for a month. On the 24th of December, I came back home, and my wife said she was leaving me. Now I want to say something before we go any further. We love each other much. Now, Christ is the very center of our lives. What a difference Jesus makes. What a difference. We've had some wonderful times the last few years. In particular, I think the last few years, we have really been through some deep, fiery trials, and God has been there to bless us together. Way back then, I was alone. My wife was leaving me, and I felt life wasn't worth living. The only thing to do is to take my life. And so I thought that's what I would do. Now, I thank God for that now, because many times over the years, I have been able to counsel men and women, by the way, who were on the verge of suicide. And I could relate to them, because I've been there. I have been there. I had a 30 6 rifle. I was telling someone the other day, I had a 30 6 rifle, and it uh, had a hair trigger. I don't know if you know what that means. Maybe you do if you've ever done any hunting. All you have to do is touch that trigger, and it's gone. Just a bare little bit of a squeeze, and it's gone. And uh, I thought, well, I shall kill myself. My wife was out. I went down in the basement of the house late one night and I sat there on a stool and I put the gun on the floor and put the barrel on the roof of my mouth and I squeezed the trigger and nothing happened. I believe in God. And nothing happened. And I couldn't understand that. So I checked it to make sure the safety wasn't on. And I tried it again, and nothing happened. So I ejected the shell and just cocked the gun, 
touched the trigger, and off it went, which is what it's supposed to do. So I took another shell and put it in, thinking that maybe there was something wrong with the shell. I put that in. And I went through the process again and squeezed the trigger, and nothing happened. I was frustrated. At that moment, I didn't know anything. I really didn't. I was just terribly frustrated, and I took the gun, and the next morning, I took it down to Sidney I. Robinson in Winnipeg, a gun store, and I sold it. I sold it. I didn't want it in the house any longer. I had an idea that somehow someone had intervened. I didn't know who. I didn't know God. I didn't think of God at all. I really didn't. If I'd only known how many people were praying at that time, I'd know then. I know now. Prayer is a tremendous weapon against the devil. It really is. Well, that day I was in a pretty bad way. It was about the 7th of January, a very vivid day. It was a cold day. My wife was still with me, but she was leaving the next week. She was arranging things and going. And um, she said to me, you look terrible. And I did. I remember Pilgrim's Progress. You've all read that. I'm sure you have. And there's this here man all bent over that big pack on his back, you know. Sin. That's the way I was. That's the way I felt. I actually felt that I was bent over as I walked in the house. My feet would hardly lift off the floor. I remember that very clearly. It was just a heavy heavy weight. And uh, I said, yeah, I guess I do look bad. And my wife said, would you like me to phone your brother Bill to come over? I said, you can phone anybody you want. I don't care. I didn't think of anything. God was not in all my thoughts. That's truth. So she phoned him. He was over there pretty quick. And uh, as soon as I saw him, I poured out my heart to him. I said, oh, my brother, I'm, I'm losing my wife. That means the family will be gone. And I cried. And he said, after he was very gracious to me, he let me talk myself out. And when I was through... He said, I would like to read some scripture to you from the word of God. And for the first time in my life, I heard the word of God. Now, I had heard it before, but I never heard it. And this is what he read. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And he said, my brother, 
You have built your house on the sands of time. And now it's falling down. I saw it all clearly, instantly. When on my knees, my brother beside me, and poured out my heart to God. And God forgave me there. I remember getting up from my knees, arms around my brother, weeping. We wept together there. Long time we prayed for this man. He was the wayward sheep in the family, the youngest but wayward. And uh, I remember walking across the living room floor and I couldn't feel it. The burden was gone. I was standing straight up. I thought I was a foot off the floor at least. I could feel nothing. I was just so light and just so full of God. Just so full of the Lord. And the next day after that, I was in the Air Force at the time, and I had a crew over in the hangar line. I was in search and rescue squadron there. And I had a crew there, men. And uh, I remember going, walking over there, just praising the Lord. I didn't know anything except the Lord. I didn't know the word at all, but I knew the Lord. And I went marching into the place where I worked there. And, and I opened the door into what we call the blister, where there was a lot of the men sitting there. All the men of my crew were sitting there playing cards, smoking, and so on. And I walked in, and I turned around and walked right out and said, what was that? I'd been with that for years. And suddenly it was something different. And I remember standing outside and saying, how can I ever go back in there? That's wickedness and sin. But I had to go back in there. And I went back in there. And I talked with the men. And I remember that when they knew then that I was a changed man, I would walk into the room. They would immediately clean up the rack. They'd stop swearing. And they'd stop telling dirty stories. Immediately. In the next five years that I was in the Air Force, after I was saved, then I got out five years later. I don't know how many people came to Christ, how many Air Force personnel, but quite a few did through the testimony of the Lord. It was very precious. I remember in a period of six months, I think there were ten families came to Christ. God was doing marvelous things, and I didn't know much, I say, but I knew God. And I learned the word fast. I ate it. I ate the Bible. I would miss meals just to read the word of God. I just ate it. You know, I hadn't eaten any for 32 years. I was hungry. And so the word was very precious to my heart. And... Uh, I remember the day that I told the Air Force that I would not resign again for another five years. I was 17 years in the Air Force. I said I would be getting out to go preaching. Word went around like wildfire. I was going preaching. Well, there was a, an officer came to me, a flight lieutenant, and uh, he said, uh, 
is it true you're getting out to preach? I said, yes, sir, that's right. What are you going to preach? I said, I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God. Does that mean he said the whole Bible? And I said, yes, that's right, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Does that mean he said you're going to preach hellfire and brimstone? I said, yes, because it's in the word of God, sir. He said, I'm glad to hear that. Now listen carefully to what this man said to me. It's uh, 28, that's 23 years ago. This is what he said. I'm so glad to hear that. My fellow officers and I, for a long time, we have sat together in the pub over there, hashing over the problems of the world. We continually come up with the same thing. Unless God does something, there is no hope left. And he said, we are not Christians. But he said, we know that much. Why, even the saints don't seem to know that. But those men did. And he said, something else we came up with just recently. Why are we in the mess we're in? Do you know what he said? Because the preachers of the gospel stopped preaching hell, fire, and brimstone. That's what he said. And he wasn't a Christian. He says, you don't hear it anywhere anymore. But he says, I understand it's in the Bible. He said, why don't they preach it if it's there? He said, if men feared God, we wouldn't be in the we're in. That's what he said. He was not a saved man. I was able to tell him, though, that I would preach that message, and I have many, many times. God, I say, has been gracious. Uh, just add a little postscript to the testimony there. But uh, after I was saved, oh, I can't tell you how long, just a little while, maybe a month, I don't really know. Uh, my wife came to me one day and said, I'm going to leave you, she said. I can't. She hadn't left, by the way. She stayed with me just to see if it was real, I suppose. And she said, I'm going. She says, I can't stand living with a religious man. You're always reading the Bible or praying. Well, I said, that's the way it is. And so she was going. And away she went. She was gone six weeks. During that six weeks, I prayed night and day. I learned secrets that other men have never learned, I suppose, or some other men have never learned. I should be careful there in prayer. And in my prayer times there, I've said to others too, God healed me of a very serious illness that I had. And he healed me instantly, though I knew nothing of healing, nothing of the promise of James at the time. I was just a new Christian. I asked him to heal me one night. Oh, it was about two or three in the morning. I had prayed for about four or five hours. And I asked him to heal me, and he healed me instantly. God will do anything 
One day, I was praying that God would bring my wife back. Of course. She phoned after about six weeks, and she said, uh, I want to come back home. I said, fine, you can come home. But she said, I want a room to myself. And I want to come and go as I please without any questions asked. You have got to be there to know what went through my mind at that time. It's indescribable. I just had to say to her, by taking a deep breath and looking to God, you can't come home on that basis. If you come home, you must come home as a wife to your husband, and a mother to your children. That was not an easy thing to say. I love my wife now. She slammed the receiver down, and I went to prayer weeping. It wasn't easy. But I remember telling the Lord, that's the way it would be until she was willing to come God's way. A week later, she phoned me again. I'll never forget that because she said, I'll come home, no strings attached. And I said, you're welcome. Two weeks later, she was saved. God is faithful, friends. We can trust him. God is faithful. Amen.